I get I get chills. I'm just I, I get so excited. It almost feels like this is like our game day for it's as kind of funny as it sounds for our for administrators planning right now. This is game day time. This is the the music's playing out in the in the arena. You're you're standing in the locker room. You're getting ready to walk out. You're getting focused. You're ready to go. And that's kind of the feel right now. Is like we're ready to go. And I've seen I'm seeing teams practicing. I'm hearing those those shoes squeak and the balls bounce and the, and the bats hitting the balls and and um, we haven't had that in about a year. I mean, oh. that's craziness, right? Yeah. And so you, you you get those you get those feelings again and and um, you know, we're all ready to go. Welcome to Building Ideas, exceptional people discussing inspired experiences that create an enduring impact on our communities. Building Ideas is presented by MSA Design. To learn more about MSA, visit us on the web at www.msa. A-R-C-H.com. Hi, this is Bill. Welcome to the podcast today. Thanks for all you're doing for us at Building Ideas. As we say every week, please like us, forward us, give us some love on whatever respective platform you're listening to. We want to make sure the good energy and the wisdom from our guests gets out there in the world. So today's guest is another guest from Collegiate Athletics World. We've known him for a long time. He is a salt of the earth, warm guy an Ohio guy, which is we're a little partial to folks here from the great Buckeye State. Um, he's had a bit of a journey across the Midwest during his career. Uh, comes from the northern part of our state, which means he's in the sphere of the Cleveland sports team world, and he's a passionate Cleveland sports fan. We'll get into that a little bit later. Mike Snyder joins us today on Building Ideas as the Athletics Director of Illinois College, home of the Blue Boys and the Lady Blues. Um, in addition to his responsibilities as Athletic Director at Illinois College, Mike is very active in his professional community, having served as past president of the Collegiate and Event and Facility Management Association, and is currently on the executive committee of the National Association of Division III Athletic Administrators. Prior to his time at Illinois College, Mike was at Oberlin College, home of Yobi the Albino Squirrel. I know, look it up, sounds crazy. When he was at Oberlin, he was the Associate Athletic Director for Internal Operations. Prior to being at Oberlin, Mike served as operations manager and events supervisor for Southeast Missouri State University's Show Me Center, home of the Red Hawks. Uh, Mike's very involved in the NCAA, and he's part of a group for sportsmanship and game day environment called Game Day the D3 Way, and is the NAD3AA executive board representative to the Division Three FAR advisory group. Mike earned a bachelor's degree in education from Bowling Green State University, home of the Falcons, Freddie and Frida, the pride of the Mid-American Conference, and also a master's degree in public administration from Southeast Missouri State. Mike, his wife, and three children proudly reside in Jacksonville, Illinois, a great town that's home of Illinois College. So welcome to Building Ideas, today's exceptional person, Mike Snyder. Well, it's it's been a, it's been a tour of the Midwest, really, and uh, yeah, I think it uh, I guess you could say the story begins at, at uh, Bowling Green State University. And I was uh, my, uh, my alma mater. It's my, my old stomping grounds. And, you know, I think uh, trying to get, think back that far as to kind of how, the, how I decided to get on this track. It, uh, I think it really it almost became from a, a point of necessity. You know, when you got, got through my first couple of years of, of school and my parents said, hey, we're, gonna, we're not going to keep paying for your education until you figure out what you're going to do here. 
and uh, had a conversation with a, a few people and realized that, you know, you can actually work in sports. And uh, I love athletics, always have. Um, I, I, I tell people that, uh, you know, I would have played in college if I had the DNA to do it. Just uh, wasn't very talented, right? So I tried to figure out how else I can be involved. And so I uh, found this major and, and kind of got involved at, at, at Bowling Green. And it was a really fun time at that point. Uh, Urban Meyer was our head basketball or head football coach. And we had Dan Dockich as our basketball coach. And um, there was a lot of excitement happening in the athletics department that I was able to be around. But got a lot of good experiences working there. And uh, during that time, um, much the same as our, our good friend at Kenyon, uh, decided that I needed to go up to that school up north in Ann Arbor and do an internship. <laughs> Um, and at, at the same place, which I'm not sure, Bill, if you knew that or not, but uh, maybe you did. But were you guys together? Were you guys no, together there at the same time? We were actually separate. Uh, I think I was there about a year before he was. Uh, Yost Ice Arena at the the University of Michigan. I can't believe I just had to say that again. But uh, no, I mean it's a great place, and and I, you know I'll I'll bias this apart here. I think that uh, you know it's a great place to to work, and I learned a lot there, and um. Got to to meet some different folks and different managerial styles, and did a full time internship there to wrap up my undergrad, and really enjoyed my time there. And uh, after that, uh, I stayed in stayed in Michigan. found a found a place at uh, a place called Soccer Zone. It was a privately run indoor soccer facility, mm-hmm. and uh, they had at that point, I think it was about five different locations across Michigan, and uh, one in Mishawaka, Indiana. And uh, I found a, a position as their um, uh, a manager that ran the retail shop and also helped out with some facility stuff in their Novi um, uh, location. Mm-hmm. So I was there about a year and a half, and and then just the way that this industry works is is it's about uh, who you know in these different contacts. And uh, the intern at Yoast, who was there, I think the semester before me, had a position at uh, uh, the Show Me Center at uh, Southeast Missouri State University, and he was leaving that that place and said, went back to our our common supervisor and say, Hey, if you know any former Yosties that are interested in the position, they might apply. And so I did listed his name as who I heard it from and got an interview and then uh, found myself packing my bags ahead and just to SEMO uh, to for, for four <laughs> years. So it was, uh, it, it was, a um, you know, the first kind of big jump that we, that we took and uh, I was there for four years and I was their event supervisor where I oversaw all of their front of house, uh, staffing. So, uh, ushers, ticket takers, security, parking crew, nursing staff uh, for the, the Division One basketball games, as well as all the concerts and special events. And then I also did all the contract work for some meeting room rentals and things. So mm-hmm. um, my first taste of some uh, event management and you know, understanding yeah. that and uh, was there for a while and, and realized that while it was good, wasn't quite what I was looking for and really wanted to get back into uh, really getting into a college athletic scene. And uh, saw a position pop up at Oberlin College and over there near Cleveland and uh, went up there and interviewed and, and had an opportunity as their the director of athletic facilities and uh, ended up getting that position and uh, got to learn from some, some great people that are some really good friends of mine now. I mean, just at that point, uh, Joe Carlgaard was the athletic director. Joe uh, is now the current AD at Rice. Um, Natalie Winklefus, who's the current AD there at, at Oberlin. She, at that point, I think was an assistant AD. Uh, Kiki Jacobs was the uh, associate AD who I reported directly to. She's now the, the athletics director at Roger Williams, mm. uh, the D3 school. And so a lot of people that were earlier in their careers that I got to learn from and uh, stepped in there 
and uh, did that for a while and got uh, moved up to an assistant AD role and then an associate AD role for internal operations. And then back in 2014, uh, got an opportunity here at Illinois College. And uh, it was uh, it was an interesting thing. Once again, it was uh, through someone who I knew, someone who uh, was doing some consulting work for, for Illinois College, called me up and said, hey, I know you're looking for something. I think this would match your skill set. And got into an interview and and really got to to know the president and and hear about what her vision was and and what uh, the future could look like here and uh, ended up getting the job back in I think it was May of fourteen mm-hmm. and uh, started my first AD position here and I've been here since so it's uh, been hopping around nothing against our friends in Indiana but I've seemed to be hopping over the state of Indiana <laughs> <laughs> understood what's been the difference moving into the lead role in a department versus where you were before at Oberlin and and you know at SEMO. I mean, what's what's what are some of the things that you've learned? Or I think the first thing is is you, you get a, a really clear understanding about what your previous supervisors did, right? And I remember after my first year here, I, I went back to uh, to one of my previous supervisors that uh, I won't name, but I, I I said to that person, I said, I am sorry. I I, I thought about <laughs> I thought things. I, there were times where I was like, what in the world is going on here? How could you possibly do this? But I get it. I get it now. Like there, there is so much stuff that you have to try to juggle that you don't quite have a true appreciation for until it, until you're in that seat. And so I think that was the first thing. And I think the second part really is, you know, the the toughest part for me was really trying to find my personal leadership voice. You know, you you, you spend a lot of time learning from different people. You learn about what to do, and you also learn what not to do, and things that uh, will try to shape who you are as a, as a leader in a department. But it's different when you're thinking about it in concept and when you're doing it in practice. And, um, you know, the first couple of years here, I, you know, I guess I should say I'm light years um, further away from where I was when I started here. And I think that the first couple of years I was trying to figure stuff out, didn't know if I, how I needed to approach certain situations. Do I come on strong? Do I have this like, oh, I'm the boss sort of mentality? Or do I take a step back and let other people lead? Or and then you have these self at least I had these self doubts of like, you know, should I be doing something differently? And so I think it just took time, right? It takes a lot of time to figure out who you are and what the goals are. And, um, you know, then ultimately once you, once you find that sweet spot, I think people I've, I've heard uh, pro athletes say the game slows down a little bit. And I think in some ways that's the, I, I felt the same way here. It's like, once you get it kind of figured out and you feel confident about what you are as a leader, what you bring to the table, the game slows down and things don't seem as crazy because you know that you, you know how to handle certain situations. And so um, it's, it's been a, a definite growth opportunity. One that I've, I'll forever be in, in debt to a president for, for giving me that uh, chance here. So what have you learned about, you know, yourself over the past <laughs> 10 months of chaos oh, just man. About leadership in general? I think the, I think the thing that I've said to people since March is that, you know, this feels like uh, you, you get punched in the face a couple of times and you just stop, stop feeling it. You know, you realize you can take a punch and keep going. There, there's a line, there's a line there from, uh, from fight club, right? It was like, once you take your first punch and you know, you're not made out of glass or, or, or that's from another movie, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's green street hooligans. One of those two movies. Exactly. It's a great movie, by the way, if you haven't seen it. Um, but that's kind of the, the thought process was like, Hey, you know, when 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 things are tough, you know, in a normal year, you might have a couple things go wrong, and it feels like it's crisis mode. You gotta, oh my gosh, how are we going to handle this? 
you get through it, you move on. The last 10, 12 months, it seems like it's been every other day, right? There's like something, something happens, something changes, you know, you get uh, practices are canceled or, and then get competitions and championships. And, and then uh, you work through all this planning based on certain recommendations from the NCAA and then those shift and you got to redo everything. And so there's all these things that come up, but you realize that it's like, you know, if if you got through that first problem, you get through you can get through the next one. And um, I, I'm I'm big on movies here, so I'm going to lay another one down. Is the there's a one here from the the Martian where I think at the end, when uh, Matt Damon's character is is talking to a class, they said, you know, how did you survive? How did you manage to live on Mars for that long? And he said, you start with the first problem and you solve it, and then you move on to the next. And you know, and, and something of that nature. And, and and that's really the mentality that I think all of us have been taken is that you can't get distracted too much by things that are going to be happening a month down the road. You got to plan, you got to know what's good, what to, what's out there so you can plan accordingly, but you really got to be focused on what's in front of you. You take care of that problem, have confidence in your team and the people around you that you're going to take care of it. And then you move on to the next problem and you just keep going and you keep going and then you'll come out on the other side. How do you think this is going to impact division three? Wow. Period. How is it going to impact division three? That's a, that's a big one there. Uh, Bill, um, lay it on me, Mike. There you go. Well, it's, uh, you know, you, you, there's higher education is, is a tough environment, uh, anyways. Right. I mean, we've, we've seen over the last uh, handful of years, the changes in the landscape, we've seen that, uh, schools are starting to close opinions on higher education are shifting. Cost of education is going up and we're, we're also, you know, very well aware. Us in, in, that are in enrollment-driven institutions are very well aware that there is a demographic cliff coming up here very shortly, where there's going to be less college-age students coming forward. And so, already we are in an uncertain market. And for the last uh, six years or so here, you know, we've been doing a lot of great work on trying to reposition ourselves in, in a way to stay relevant with with students. We've added uh, academic programs. We've cut back academic programs. We've added um, sports and other co-curriculars. We've invested in certain areas. We've cut back in other areas to try try to make sure we are as nimble as we can be in the environment. And so I think that's, that's the the environment that we were starting in before COVID really, you know, took hold in in March. And so now I think that COVID has really done nothing but uh, accelerate some of this stuff. You know, I think that what we're hearing from some of our, our recruits and, and along the way here is, you know, you know, coach or, you know, we're, we've really enjoyed playing our sport, but I haven't been able to play the last, uh, this past year. And quite frankly, I like my time off, you know, maybe I'm, I might just, I don't think I'm going to continue on, you know? So, oh man, there goes, there goes an opportunity or, you know, you get somebody in it who maybe had their senior year cut short. They're with us right now. And then they couldn't play in the fall. And then, that point, it's like, well, I came here to the school to to continue on in my athletic endeavors and also get a great education. But if I'm not going to be able to, to play, maybe I'll just take a step back and take a semester off and kind of recollect on what I'm going to do. And so I think that when the opportunities have gotten pulled out from underneath of us, um, it's made uh, a handful of students rethink what their priorities are and what they want to do in an already difficult environment. And so um, you know, we're, we're thinking down the lines here about how do we continue to retain? How do we continue to recruit? How do we um, appeal to the students? We have to understand the market that we're in. You know, decisions around 
whether we play or not, um, we always take into context, what are the surrounding conferences and institutions doing? You know, if, if we are the one school or the one, uh, or say the one institution or the one conference that says, no, we're not playing, but the other five uh, conferences all are, what does that potentially do for retention? Are we going to risk seeing students leap here and jump to one of those schools? Mm-hmm. And so it's a uh, it's a tricky game to play because obviously you know the the number one goal here is that we're trying to make sure everyone is is getting an education in a safe environment. And mm-hmm. so how do you balance all of that um, all together? And I kind of get back to what I said before is that you just got to work the problem and you got to figure out what your priorities are and what you can do. And and we've been We've been very um, tied to what are what are CDC recommendations, what are what are the NCAA testing recommendations, what are the the, the tools that we have in front of us to make some important decisions that um, that allow us to continue to move forward. And and a colleague of mine in our conference said the other day, I read somewhere he said this that uh, you know, we're shifting our mindset from um, what can we do to allow us to play to we're going to play until we can't. And, you know, until mm-hmm. the factors make us that we can't. And so being more on the offensive rather than defensive. And I think that having testing abilities and having different structures in place have allowed us to shift that mentality because we now have a better sense of what's going on, what the safety protocols need to be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. hopefully that positions us and others that are that are working in this uh, this crazy environment in a better way to kind of continue operations in a, in a good, safe, positive manner. Now, you have a role at the NCAA level. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? I know you're involved with some committees from a national basis. Yeah, yeah, I've been I've been fortunate enough to to be a part of a few different organizations, and um, you know I think it's important to always give back. That's before I kind of get into the individual stuff here. I think that philosophically speaking, I think we all will in this industry would understand that that we we didn't get to where we got to without help from others, and so I think it's it's important to invest back in others and what we're doing here, and so that's kind of my my why, and so. Um, I was given the opportunity back when I was at Oberlin, um, someone, uh, uh, approached me and, and said, uh, you know, you, you should get involved with CEFMA, you know, the Collegiate Event Facility Management Association. And uh, I said, sure. You know, so I, what is it? And so I, they, they, they told me what it was all about and who to contact at, at the NACTA office. And I, uh, I reached out and said, what, what can I do? How can I get involved? And the first year, like, oh, yeah, just talk to your friends, get them, get them to join. Okay, cool. Did that the first year. Next year, came around, what can I do? And I said, uh, oh, it's you again. Um, how about you help us out with, you know, some other stuff here? And there was, like, making some phone calls to some other people about joining. It's all about membership. Okay, did that. And then shortly thereafter, I got a call from Steve Adams, who was, uh, works at Wake Forest. And he was at that point, uh, as I, I, I've coined him, the, the godfather of SEFMA. He was the, one of the founders. He, <laughs> He uh, he's like, all right, Mike. We've got an opportunity to join the board as a, a D three representative. Uh, you've you've shown you've shown interest in ability. Do you want to join? And so, um, spoke with with uh, my boss at the time, Natalie uh, Winklefoos. And the funny thing was, I told her at the time, I said, uh, yeah, she was the interim AD. We were between full time ADs, and I said, what do you think? I said, we don't have an AD here in place yet. I, I'd hate to. There's some budget commitments, and she's like. Go for it. Do it. Sign up with it before the new AD is hired. So that way you're already part of it. Well, she got to be that new AD. So, you know, oh, okay. she maybe, <laughs> maybe she had some knowledge that you didn't know about yet. Right. Maybe, maybe. 
So, um, but anyway, so yeah, I got in, got involved there and worked as a board member for a while and then got uh, elected into an officer role and, and moved on up. And, and in the, the year 2016, 17 was uh, the president of, um, spent uh, really almost about half of my professional life, it seemed like at that point, I think with SEFMA and, and working with a truly tremendous group of people. And some that you've had on this program, you know, with, with yeah. Matt Oberlin and Justin and Don and Penner and, you know, people that uh, you get to know really well and make some good relationships with. And I think that uh, you were able to move that organization along really well and, and um, moved on from that and thought, okay, maybe I just needed to kind of take a break. I think that I spent eight years on, on service with the SAFMA. And I think that break lasted all of about maybe a few months and uh, had an opportunity to, to, to join the, the NADIA, the National Association of D3 Athletic Administrators, which is now currently another um, affiliate of of NACTA and joined their their board, and so I've uh, been with them. I think this is my third year, just starting my third cycle with them and 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 leadership of that organization. And um, about a year ago, um, got a, 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 a email from uh, the NACTA office saying that uh, they were looking for someone to join the the NACTA. Uh, Board executive committee. I, I don't know which, what, what the actual title is actually at this point. Um, everyone has their different terms for them, but uh, I think it was the executive committee. And so uh, opportunity to, to kind of slide up there and, and work with folks from uh, Power 5, Group of 5, D2, NAI, you know, all, all those folks in, in the overall leadership of NACTA. And, and so um, the folks at NACTA, I can't say enough great things about the work that they do. And, and so when I got that uh, that offer I was honored to honored to get it and then jumped at the opportunity and so now I'm, I'm currently on that board and and doing some work there and so um, you know really a lot of my service has gone through that uh, I did serve on a uh, committee through the NCAA a few years ago the game day the d3 way um, I was with Sefma at that point and they wanted a few of us Sefma uh, folks to help with uh, the structure of that and so Justin Newell and I uh, slid over and helped out on that committee and um, did some work there, but, uh, um, yeah, like I said, in the beginning, I think that it's important to, for everybody to give back and to find where your, where your niche is. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to get those opportunities. That's great. What, um, as you've been on that committee with folks from everywhere, like you say, NAIA, division two, division one, group of five, power five, what are some what are of the similarities that you all are dealing with as well as some of the differences? Well, I think it's being on these committees. It's uh, and going to conventions and things. It's always great to to hear from other folks because um, it's good to know you're not alone, right? I mean, because at some points uh, you you feel like you're doing this job and you're and you're you're working the problem, you're going through the grind, and and then you realize that the similar core issues are what's in front of all of us. And um, the, the wise Mike Penner once told me that, uh, you know, we have, we have the same job. It's just, you add a few more zeros to his budget than mine. And I was like, you know, you, you, you couldn't be more, more truthful on that. I mean, that's really what it is. And when I, when I hear some of these, these issues that we're working through, I mean, the, um, whether it's testing or whether it's pod groups of practicing, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we're all trying to figure out how do we serve our student athletes? How do we, run this operation in a, in a, um, in a good way that gives our student athletes a great experience. And, you know, certainly the, the experience at, uh, you know, a, 
a power five school is going to look much different than a D3 school. But at the end of the day, that's you have a certain level of expectation and a, and a benchmark that you're trying to hit. And um, I think that the, the theories behind it all are, are good. I mean, I, I uh, was able to, to moderate a, um, a webinar with NACTA to talk about, uh, I was talking with a, a commissioner um, from a, a D1 conference, a, a D1 AD, and then a, a D3 president. And I was talking about just what we're doing right now. How are we going to handle the springtime? You know, how how are things? What are things going to look like for for us? How do we juggle all this stuff? And and that was exactly, I think, a testament to what I was just saying is that we're all doing this. It's just going to look a little different on each of our campuses. Yeah, some good wisdom. So um, one of the things we talk about are inspired experiences. So you have uh, traveled the country. You've been involved in college athletics. You're a fellow Maction alumni. You know, I always have a special place in my heart for fellow Mac schools, Mac alumni. You're a Ball State um, guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. But whenever, you know, when the dust settles, if there's a Mac team running up against a big boy, we all get behind in line and, and root on. So don't you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. This was kind of our magical year. We're in, we're in complete heaven. So what is a, key place space or experience or experiences in the built environment that you that have inspired you on your journey well, you know we're architects we got to talk about the built environment you know get yeah. out about that stuff no no absolutely well man that's a tough one because i think i think just having some of these um sports palaces these sort of places are are something that i've always kind of gravitated towards i think that 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 is a the tangible piece of our work that uh i know that wherever i'm fortunate enough to to work be a part of i know that i can always look back and for you know foreseeable future you can revisit these places and have these memories of the experiences you had when going through that building process or renovation process and relationships that you had and kind of the, all the stuff that you that you did and um you know i think that when I think about my time at Oberlin, um, we did a lot there that really kind of put me on track for what I wanted to try to do here at Illinois College. You know, I was um, had a few different uh, different uh, athletics directors while I was there and got to see different leadership styles, but um, and that helped. But I think the the process of building um, the the stadium there, the big multi sports stadium, the uh, building of uh, the indoor field house, the uh, the track soccer stadium, the wood chip running trail, the um, you know a variety of other little projects here and there. You know, you you you, tar- you start to kind of see the process and understand the inner workings and um, kind of who's who's doing what and why. And it's been a it's been a good it's been a good learning process that really set me up, like I said, for coming here and giving me my own way of, of looking at things in the process of doing things. And I think uh, um, I, I have made it back to Oberlin. I was back there after my first year, and, and when I walked into that stadium, I wasn't there to to see it finish. I, I left. Uh, it was like a I don't remember. I think it was probably around a thirteen, fourteen, maybe it's even more of that million dollar stadium that was built there, and um, pretty significant for a D three school, and and. I left kind of in the middle of construction. And so I came yeah. back and, and that was tough, man, because you invest so much of your time and your energy into it, but came back there for the, the first uh, event and had the sense of pride. You know, you walk in like, I had, I had something to do with this and it's so cool to see how it finished up. 
And um, not to say that, you know, I, that you, you pat yourself on the back or anything, but there's just, there is something about it, right? Like when you, when you do something tangible and you can look back at it, it's, it's a really cool thing. And, and uh, the design that was there was really good and, and um, really happy with how it all turned out and um, kind of, kind of, uh, like I said, it, 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 uh, it hits all the emotions, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Any other uh, places, buildings? I know you're a big sports guy. Any other places that have inspired you in your travels and journeys? Well, you know, there are, there are many, many places that I think are cathedrals to, to sport, right? And some of them I'm very biased on. Some of them I think are maybe just, uh, you can't argue about it. Uh, Billy, I'm sure you, you've seen on some, one of my social media platforms, my post, uh, I think you may have mentioned something about uh, Old Municipal Stadium in Cleveland. <laughs> oh, dear God. What a great I mean, place. <laughs> right? Yeah, see? You know, and it's funny, like, I think my comment was, it may have been a piece of junk, but it was our piece of junk. And, you know, the comments that rolled in from that were like, no, like this was, this had so much meaning. And I think that when I look at that, I think of, I think of when I was a kid on Christmas Eve, going to the Brown Seahawks game with my dad, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think about that. Like, that was awesome. It's, it's one of those things that I'll never forget. Um, I think about just the, the passion for, for that team, you know, the, the Browns just loving them above any other sports team. Yeah. And I think about um, the, I think the game, I, the, my first football game before that was actually going to the, the Pontiac Silverdome and watching the Browns lions and uh, seeing that, seeing that up there. And just like, as you approach it, you see this weird white dome thing. I'd never remember seeing a dome before. Like, what is this place? You know? And so it's almost like a spaceship. And so like, there's a couple of those things that are really close to me on that hit those emotions. I think that, um, you know, the first time I walked into, um, I almost called it Jacobs field. Cause that's what it's always going to be called to me, but progressive field in Cleveland, yeah, the Jake, the Jake, the, uh, the corner, um, you know, there, there's something special there, the magic that happened there in the nineties. Uh, but then, you know, then, then there's some of those other places, you know, I was able to, when our women's basketball team here at Illinois college, uh, made it to the conference tournament and played, uh, St. Norbert college up in De Pere. That's just a, a neighboring town to Green Bay. And so I got up there a little earlier and, and took a tour of Lambeau. And I think that that's, that's one of those places. I, I just feel like if, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're a sports fan, you know, places like Lambeau or Fenway or Wrigley, um, you know, those sort of places, um, you know, th- th- those are places that I think that give you, that you have, if you have an appreciation for history and sport, um, you can walk into those places and see the past greats. You can, you can almost hear the fans. You can kind of, it, yeah. it becomes romanticized almost a little bit. And I think that that's, that's the fun about sport is that everyone can go into a certain place, have different, different memories, but maybe still have a shared understanding of the appreciation and importance of a certain facility. Absolutely. You know, my father grew up in Western Massachusetts and his priest growing up was a college roommate of the Yaki family boys, the people who own the Red Sox. Oh. Yeah. So my dad has all these great stories of as a kid in the fifties going with father Scanlon, you know, the altar boys, they'd take them into Boston. They go to game and four or five games a summer and getting on the field, like, you know, all these crazy stories. So in early two thousands, my wife and I were up there for a conference. I'd never been. And so, uh, I was up there for a conference. So we went to a game. It was awesome. You know, and it's such a rickety old dump. I mean, it, it reminded me of municipal <laughs> stadium. When I went in there, I was thinking like when I was a kid going up to the Browns games, and so I remember at the hotel, I called my dad and I was like, Hey, we went to Fenway. Oh yeah. Where'd you go in? And I told him, he goes, yeah. So where'd you sit? And I, we were down like the first baseline and he described to me, he hadn't been there since the early sixties. You know, he was there in college, I think. 
And he described the exact sequence like, yeah, and you go down and there's like a concession here and it's really, you know, and it's really dumpy, you know, and it was really cool to see that that, you know, that that place had for him just it, it still to this day has passionate meaning for him. But Cleveland Stadium man, that place, <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> like it. Oh, my Lord. We'll sidebar. My first NFL game there was with him. It was like a preseason game in the mid 80s against the St. Louis Cardinals and something happened. And there's like fights and people chucking beer. I mean, it was just, he was like, don't tell your mother. <laughs> I mean, it was so much fun. Um, and I'm glad to see you guys doing well. I mean, it's, it's, it's time for the Brownies to come back a little bit, even at the expense of our Bengals. So I'll say what it's an interesting sidebar on that one is, uh, there's a, a Jacksonville native here. Um, Blake Camps. Blake was, uh, if, if anyone was paying much attention, he's, he was coined as a guy named Blake. He was the, uh, the lineman that, that Baker met in the locker room the, the day of the, the oh, game. Yeah. He was signed off of a practice squad. They brought him in. And then that night he due to injury went in and played really well. Yeah. And uh, then ended up playing against the chiefs as well. And so it was a, uh, it was kind of a, a, a regional thing. I mean, here in Jacksonville, it just blew up. I mean, it was such a cool thing to see all these folks here in, in central Illinois that were suddenly bandwagon Browns fans. It felt like, I was like, Oh, my people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you fly and, the flag on the house and say, come on over. <laughs> absolutely. I did. Absolutely. And, and, uh, um, you know, the, a local t-shirt shop printed, uh, shirts that said a guy named Blake and had his silhouette on it. And all the proceeds went to the local youth football uh, association here. And it was just a really good feel good event, uh, capitalizing on, as you mentioned, the long time suffering and the need for this Brown seemed to be good. And then it just happened to kind of dabble into our community here. I tell you, they're going to, they're going to be good again. I mean, they are back and it's kind of cool to see, hopefully the Bengals can up the game and yes. it'd be great to see the battle of Ohio be like a battle that meant something, right. That was a yeah. really consequential game again. Absolutely. So, so what are some of the trends? And you know, obviously COVID will set that aside and testing and sanitation and plexiglass everywhere, you know, <laughs> outside, outside of COVID and spacing people out, right. And duct tape on everything. Um, you know, what are some of the trends or issues? I know you guys have done a lot of upgrades and improvements to facilities there over time. What are some of the trends or issues that you are, that are affecting how you plan things and maybe how they've been changing since when you first started back at Oberlin, you know, get involved with facilities? Well, I think each institution operates differently. And so I think that changes in your, your ability to do facility upgrades and um, whether it is prioritization of athletics whether it is um, fundraising, meaning you know maybe you've got a, a deeper connection with alums at one institution or the next to be able to fund these projects, or maybe sometimes the institutions want to they say that no, this is a, a product of our operation of our of our program, so it's more of an institutional funded sort of thing. And so each one of those items really play a different role in how do you get things done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at Oberlin, it was very much a fundraise aspect. Um, the AD was out front doing a lot of fundraising and, and a lot of those projects were handled from, from, uh, from donations to the institution. You know, like here we do have a, um, a good, a good handful of very dedicated, loyal donors, um, you know, not, but just not to the level maybe where Oberlin is. And that's fine. You know, the institution though here has really put a high priority on athletics and we're about 45% student athletes mm. in the population. And so they, uh, absolutely. And they understand that we play a large role in, in the operation of the institution. And so 
having good facilities to recruit to are incredibly important. And, um, and so yeah, it's been a mix here. You know, we've been able to, to do some fundraising. Some of it has been institutional spending, but uh, we've gotten a lot done in our model. And I think done quickly. And I say that in a, in a, in a way with almost a, a smile or a smirk, because I think us in athletics always want to do a thousand things in about a minute. And we want to go hundred mile an hour and it's, Oh, it never seems to be fast enough or good enough. But man, when I think back, you know, this is my seventh year and we've been able to upgrade virtually every single facility we have. I mean, whether it's weight rooms, field house, um, turf field, baseball, softball fields, tennis courts, or re- redoing our, our gym floor, branding of our spaces, um, you know, all sorts of facility upgrades it's been remarkable and mm-hmm. um, the leadership of our, of our president uh, is, is, is been incredibly important. And I think that, uh, you know, just her knowledge and understanding about what to do during our different, uh, different times in our operation, you know, where, when is it okay to go ask for money? When is it something that should be an institutional funded thing? How do we invest? Where do we invest? Where's the smart dollar going towards? And so, um, you know, I think that, I think that that's to me is the biggest kind of difference, at least in my career path and what I have seen. Um, if we're talking about more so um, just trends in the environment, you know, what are we seeing and kind of different, different changes of things? Um, you know, I think that that's, I think almost to a point um, of, I'm not going to say going backwards, but I think trying to be wise with our money and doing multi-use spaces. You know, it's, it's uh, if you think back in the day of, um, I'll kind of pull this back to our, pro- our professional sports teams things here, you know, like when you'd have a municipal stadium or you'd have riverfront or whatever it was, it, it was this, this round shaped thing that just everyone, it was, it wasn't great for anybody, but it was okay for everybody. And so it was good enough. Right. <laughs> you know? And so, and I'm not saying we go back to, to mediocrity, but I'm saying is just, you gotta be mindful of where your money is right. In, in a, in a changing educational landscape. Um, you gotta be mindful of where your investments are, where to best put your dollars. If you can have a multi-use space, a multi-purpose space, uh, if you can get creative in your storage space and get creative in, in all of these things, um, that's where you really need to get to. It's not a, a point of like, well, each, each individual place here, you all going to get your own individual thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's, that's just not the reality of, uh, small school, uh, operations these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we like to talk about is enduring impact. And I know you've talked about being a leader in organizations and people who've impacted you. You know, if, if you were brought in, say you brought, I brought you into our company or any other company, even <laughs> inside, outside of athletics and said, give me some wisdom. What have you learned? What would you tell somebody, Mike? What have I learned? Well, in general, he said, uh, like, just kind of coming in to share some knowledge of what I've learned. I would say what I've learned is that communication is paramount. I think that what I, when I've worked with some young professionals in our industry, I've talked to them about how communication can be the, the key to everything. And it can be your undoing if you're not careful. You know, I think you need to understand the sooner that we all understand that, understand our preferred way of communicating, you know, how do we, what's the easiest way for us but also being nimble enough to find other ways to communicate and meet other people where they are. And one of the things that I've started to do when I bring in new staff here is I ask them point blank, how do you like to be communicated with? You know, if I need you, 
do you prefer an in-person conversation? Do you prefer a phone call? Is a text message okay? How are emails for you? You check them often. You know, I want to meet them where they are. And I think that if we as leaders can um, reflect enough to know what our strengths are and what we bring to the table, but be nimble enough to adjust to the people we're trying to lead, I think that's the most important part. And um, it builds trust, you know, and which is important. Obviously, I think that when you meet somebody where they are and try to to help them grow and, and do things uh, on their on their area. Um, they feel, I think there's a feeling of investment and there's a feeling of growth and they will give back 10 times to the organization when they, when they you have those feelings. And so I think it all comes back to communication and, and understanding the platforms that you're using, when you're using them, how you're using them, who you're using them with. Good stuff. Thank you. What excites you right now? Oh man. Right now it's the... It's the excitement for our student athletes to get on a, on the field or court, right? I mean, i i get I get chills. I'm just I, I get so excited. It almost feels like this is like our game day. For it's as kind of funny as it sounds for our for administrators planning right now. This is game day time. This is the the music's playing out in the in the arena. You're you're standing in the locker room. You're getting ready to walk out. You're getting focused. You're ready to go. And that's kind of the feel right now is like, we're ready to go. And I've seen, I'm seeing teams practicing. I'm hearing those, those shoes squeak and the balls bounce and the, and the bats hitting the balls. And, and um, we haven't had that in about a year. I mean, wow. that's craziness, right? Yeah. And so you, you, you get those, you get those feelings again. And, and um, you know, we're all ready to go. We're, we're, we've done a lot of planning. We've done a lot of work. We've put policies in place. We know things are going to come up. I think I, I said to you earlier is that there's going to be a train coming from one direction at a certain speed. We just don't know how fast and which direction you get that right. It's going to happen, but like, let's, let's just move. Let's move forward. Let's take that step. Let's give these athletes an opportunity to, to do the thing that they love. Let's keep investing in them. Um, and that's, that's what's on my mind right now. You know, I, I certainly am, uh, would. Uh, am looking forward to a, a, a summer vacation as well, but that's uh, you know that's that's <laughs> long ways away as far as I'm concerned. I think that uh, that will be welcomed when that day comes, but that's about fifteen thousand steps from now. We got a lot. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> that is all right. One last question. What's up? I know you are a, as you've alluded to, you're a big Cleveland sports guy. Yes. What's the greatest moment you've witnessed? as a Browns fan in your life? Man, oh man. You'd think that this should be easy, right? Because most outsiders oh. would say, oh, come on, there's not a lot of great sports moments for the Cleveland Browns, right? But I, I'm going to have to say, you know, as a kid, you start, you, you've got some fun memories, but I don't think you understand the gravity or it doesn't really hit you as much. It's, it's kind of something that's going on and it's, and it's good. I mentioned going to the game with my dad on Christmas Eve. That was fun, but it's different for me and my, and my kids right now. And I think that this year, this year was, was something unlike anything else. It was magical, you know, and, and having, we, we used to have people over like there, believe it or not, there's a small group of us Browns fans in Jacksonville, Illinois. We would, we should have you started guys are everywhere. Browns, I know. Right. We should have started a Browns backers <laughs> chapter in Jacksonville and they met in my basement, but, uh, uh, but no, but we, people would come over, we'd watch the games. It was like taking your medicine, right? It was kind of like that we're here. We're going to watch this because that's what we do. 
but this year was it, it was it was so different and it was like this team is good this team is just is really yeah. good and they're fun and they're playing well and like my my kids are sitting next to me they're like dad what does this happen and like they're taking an investment they're watching what's going on and you start to realize it's like this is what this is what sports all about right like this yeah. is, is kind of i'm elevating this a little differently but this is what sports all about it's about entertaining and having fun and making connections and and that's what was going on and so to tie it directly to something though that brown steelers playoff game was something else right i mean oh my gosh i that first play of the game when that ball goes over ben's head into the end zone um i lost my mind and I think my that for the next day, my voice was pretty hoarse because of all the yelling I was doing. I kids were running around, we're high five, and they're yelling, "Here we go, brownies!" We're high, you know, dogs are barking. It was pandemonium, <laughs> and it was it was sports joy that our family has never experienced. So, yeah, it was good. I was watching it. You know, I grew up a Browns fan. I'm more of a Bengals fan. I'm rooting for the Browns just because you know we all get together. And everybody hates the Steelers, so we were all behind you. And I, for whatever reason, I couldn't get on the game. I had something going on with the kids, and my phone starts blowing up. And all these people, because like, we have a bunch of Browns fans in our office, and I you know, grew up near Mansfield. And I'm like, what is going on? They're like, can you believe that? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I couldn't watch it yet because I was doing something with the kids. And so I turned it on, and I was like, are you kidding me? It was great. It was a good day for uh, Ohio sports. Amazing. Absolutely <laughs> amazing. Gives me chills just now thinking about it. We'll see how next year goes. If I can get, if we can get Joey Burrow back and uh, at least make it competitive, I think it'll be fun year next year in the NFL. So you guys, you guys have a bright future there, no doubt about it. <sighs> I think so. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah, it's been a long time. So, well, Mike, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's awesome to see you. I know it's been too long, and um, I look forward to when we can be uh, back at Sefma or conferences and run into each other again soon. Yeah, Bill, I I really do appreciate it. Uh, Having the, uh, the the royalty that's been on your show to be included in that, uh, you know, I feel very fortunate. So, uh, no, it's thank you for inviting me. Thank you for having me here. I appreciate the conversation and um, wish you well and and hope all is good. And and we to like you said, get together at some point when when we all can again. Absolutely. Um, one other thing: How do folks learn more about Illinois College? Well, you can go to our athletics website at IllinoisCollegeAthletics.com. You can go to, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, ILCollegeAD, Illinois College AD, um, or at IC Athletics. So take a look, see what we got going on for the Blue Boy and Lady Blue Nation. There we go. <laughs> All right. Take care, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Building Ideas is presented by MSA Design. To learn more about MSA Design, visit us on the web at www.msaarch.com.